Good morning, everybody, and welcome to part three in the Confronting Conflict series. And as we, as you just saw there in the video, what we are talking about is how to succeed in one of the most challenging areas of life. We're talking about, we agreed before, that life is all about relationships. So if you want to win at life, you have to learn how to win at relationships. And if you want to win at relationships, you got to learn how to win at conflict because life at its core, is about depth in our relationships with one another, and you can never truly have depth in a relationship with another person without at some, without at some point running into some kinds of conflict. So that's what we're talking about right here, because what we're trying to do is avoid the various... Is that me making a funny clicking sound? It's me? Is that me still? Is that better now? Better? Clicking? Okay. What we're trying to avoid is getting to the end of this life and dealing with the regrets that so many people deal with when it comes to conflict mishandled, be it in a marriage, be it in a friendship, be it as a father to a child or mother to a child, be it in a work relationship, whatever it may be. So often we get to the end of this road and we realize, you know what? We really wish we could go back and handle that conflict in a better way. Wish I wouldn't have said this. Wish I wouldn't have uh, gone off and done this. And that's what we're learning at here in this series is we're trying to come up with a strategy, a God-honoring, God-pleasing way to succeed in conflict because when you succeed in conflict, you succeed in life by the end. And several people told me that since we started this series, especially over this past few days, several people either emailed me or texted me or reached out to me and told me, Father Anthony, this stuff that we're talking about couldn't have come at a better time. And then they proceeded to tell me a story of a conflict that's taking place and how they needed, you know, kind of some of the materials that we're talking about right here and how it's really been helpful. Because what I discovered is this, is once you start to think about how to approach conflict, there's a reason why God is giving us this message on Sunday because he knows you may need it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'll give you some examples. Someone sent me a, an email and told me that in a, when it came to like a, a friendship, there was a, something that happened. He said, seems like every time on Sunday that it's a spiritually fruitful day, the devil is ready to attack. And then they began to go on and tell the story of this relationship that just after Sunday, things started to go downhill. A married couple reached out to me and told me that this married couple spent this past week several days fighting about how they fight. And this video here was exactly that, where one person started to, you know, kind of go through the steps, you know, as Father Anthony said, and the other person said, don't tell me what Father Anthony said, because you know when you're angry, you don't want the person to go through and say, I acknowledge and accept. You don't want the, the steps like that. Another person sent me a text message about a situation at work, and I'll read it verbatim. She said, I addressed a huge conflict at work today head on. So I started thinking to myself, okay, good. She says, I hate it, and I got nowhere. And then she put, I just thought I'd share that with you, smiley face. And then in the midst of the rest of our discussion, she basically told me that she approached, you know, her boss about, you know, some things that was, was on her mind. And her boss responded and said, I'm 62, that's my personality, and that's not going to change. You need to put on your big girl pants and deal with it. Conflict is everywhere. You're not going to succeed in life without learning a strategy of how to deal with conflict, be it at work, be it with your children, be it with your friends, be it with your spouse. You have to learn how to deal with conflict in a God-honoring and God-pleasing way 
If not, you're going to find yourself going to extremes, either extreme of just kind of isolate myself from people, never get too close, and, and never allow anyone to, to kind of go in here because I don't want to deal with conflict. Or you find yourself dealing with conflict all the time, but in the wrong way, and pushing people away by exploding on people. And we need neither of those two extremes. We need to learn how to not be aggressive or passive aggressive. We need to learn how to confront and face conflict. And we need a plan. And what we saw last week, for those who are here, is we saw the importance of our plan. Our plan, having a plan is so important because when it matters most, we're usually at our worst. And we talked about how when there is the critical conversations of life, okay? Right now we're having a conversation. Conversations happen all the time. But then it hits a point where that conversation goes from normal to critical. And when you're at critical, that's when, like we said last week, opposing opinions, stakes are high, and strong emotions. And it's those strong emotions, once those strong emotions come in, that all of a sudden we are at a disadvantage when it comes to that relationship. Because when emotions kick in, so does the adrenaline. What does adrenaline do? Adrenaline helps us be stronger physically, but be dumber mentally and intellectually. And this is why today when we talk about the Super Bowl, it's not always the best athlete that wins the Super Bowl. It's the one who can handle the pressure, who wins, the one who can think and make decisions when the adrenaline is rushing and the emotions are high and the stakes are at their highest. That's usually the one who is going to be successful. And it's the same thing when it comes to relationships. Now, with that said, just as a little clarification from last week, because some people may have misunderstood something I said last week. Some people, one husband, okay, well, actually one wife came to me afterwards and says, Father Anthony, you need to clarify what you said last week. And I said, why? He said, because all my husband heard is that emotions are bad, and we shouldn't have emotions, and I, and I, shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't be allowed to argue because I have emotions, and it should be him because he's not emotional. I didn't say emotions are bad. I didn't say emotions are bad. Emotions can't be bad because who created emotions? God. So you husbands, you sit there and say, my wife is crazy because she has emotions. If you got a problem with your wife's emotions, you need to deal with who gave her those emotions, which is God. And if you would like to know why she's emotional, you're certainly welcome to go meet God today and ask him that question. Okay, if you would like that, if you'd like us to pray for that, your wife may already be praying for that. Okay, we can all join her in that prayer. I'm not saying that emotions are bad. Emotions are great. And without emotions, the world would be a worse off place. But what I am saying is specifically in the area of conflict resolution and confronting conflict, emotions are not on your side. Emotions do you a disservice. They're great in so many other areas and they help us out. But in this one specific area, the more you can disconnect from the emotions and be able to think clearly unemotionally, the more you'll be able to be successful. Not to say get rid of all your emotions, but like I'm saying, is be able to isolate, and watch the words I'm going to use right now, okay, and especially the emotional people, okay, be it men or women, watch the words I'm going to use right now, I'm choosing them carefully, and be able to control my emotions and overcome my emotions. Watch that one. You didn't think that was possible, did you? I need to be able to control my emotions, something which we don't think is possible, or see today. I need to be able to overcome my emotions, and we're going to see how, how we do that today. Proverbs 16.32, this is kind of our key verse for today, gives our, 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 our kind of our our, our scope for today, what we're going to talk about. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. What's he who rules his spirit mean? He who rules his spirit. He who is in charge of his emotions, not his emotions are in charge of him. He who is able to control his feelings. He was able to not necessarily remove the feelings, 
Okay, because then I'd be lying if I said, I give you one, two, three right here, and you never feel lonely, or you never feel scared, or you never feel, I'm not saying I can remove them. But what I'm saying is I got to be able to rule over them because I am not a slave to my emotions. My emotions are supposed to be under my control, not me under their control. Another way of saying that is we're not animals. We're not animals. Animals are controlled by their emotions. Animal, lion gets hungry, he eats. Gets thirsty, he drinks. Gets scared, he runs. Gets angry, he fights. There's no step between emotion and action. And that's kind of how many of us, even though we would never admit we're like the animals, but we would never say that, that's how we often act. Actually, that's even what we say. Don't you say the following sentence many times? He makes me so mad. What does that mean, he makes me so mad? It means that once he did this, I had no choice but to be mad. She drives me crazy. They left me no choice. She gave me no choice. I had no other choice. Our language, the what we say when we say words like that, what we are saying is, is that we're like the animals. Is that we have no control over our spirit. But with this verse, King Solomon is saying, is not only can we control our spirit, but the one who does, that's the mighty man. The strong man or woman, okay, the strong person is not the one who takes a city, is not the one who overcomes military, uh, but the strong one is the one who stands in control of his emotions versus his emotions take control of him. I know that word control your emotions is a hard word, so let's at least agree this. Okay, let's at least agree this, that I can influence my emotions. I can influence my emotions. And that's going to be kind of our goal here for today because the bottom line is, as I wrote there on your handout, you will either control your emotions or your emotions will control you. There's no other way to talk about it. You will either control your emotions. And again, this is in every relationship. This is in your work. This is in your friendships. This is in your marriage. You will either learn how to control your emotions because at times they will be bubbling over. You will either learn how to control your emotions or your emotions will control you and control your life. How? Let's talk about that right now. Let's talk about how. Because I know what I just said right there, some of you are thinking to yourself, Father Anthony, that's impossible. Some of you are thinking to yourself, I try to control my emotions, I can't. I can't control how I feel. I just get angry. I can't control it. I just get sad. I can't control it. I just get nervous. I get anxious. I can't control it. How can we possibly control how we feel and our emotions? Again, realize you're not as helpless as you think. No one can make you mad without your cooperation. No one can drive you crazy unless you give them the ability to do so. I'll give you an example. Today's Super Bowl Sunday. So I'll give you an example that may take place in homes all over America today. Let's say Jim. Okay, and I chose a name that I don't know anyone here whose name is Jim. Anyone here named Jim? Okay, just so that... Because <laughs> I'm going to talk about Jim and his mother-in-law, so I want him to stay away. Because when it comes to mother-in-laws, you be careful with your examples that you use, okay? Jim goes home today at church, after church on Sunday. He wants to just sit on his couch and watch football. Because that's what Super Bowl Sunday is all about. Game 6.40, pregame starts at 2.30, okay? That's what it has to be, okay? Because you have to watch more pregame than the actual game. That's the way it has to be, okay? So Jim's sitting on his couch, and Jim's eating. He's got his Doritos. He's got his pretzels. He's got his soda. He's got donuts. He's got all kinds of junk, and he puts, throws some this way, and half goes in, and half goes there, okay? And then some this way, and there. So the house is a total mess, okay? But it's Sunday on Super Bowl 
If you can't make a mess on your couch on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, when can you make a mess on your couch? Jim is sitting there having a great time. His mother-in-law comes in. And his mother-in-law sees the mess and sees Jim. And she kind of looks at him. But she doesn't say anything. She doesn't say anything. And his mother-in-law kind of sees the mess and sees him. And then she starts cleaning up the mess. Without saying a word. And Jim is just looking at her. And looking at the TV. And then looking at her. And looking at the TV. She didn't say a word. She's just tidying up. Later that night, Jim goes to his wife and says, Your mom is so annoying. Your mom is so annoying. Why? What'd she do? Let's tell you what she did. She came in the house. She gave me that look. And she always gives me that look. And she kind of, under her breath, thought something, probably. And then she started, had the audacity to start cleaning up the house. She's doing that just to annoy me. She thinks I'm a no-good husband. She thinks I'm a slob. And she thinks I'm not good enough to be your husband. Your mom drives me crazy. She always knows how to push my buttons. What's the problem here with Jim? What's the problem with Jim? Is the mom the problem? <laughs> One gentleman up here shaking his head like this. Okay. Your name ain't Jim, is it? Okay. <laughs> is the problem the mom? Let me ask it a different way. Let me ask it a different way. Who's pushing Jim's buttons? Jim's buttons are certainly all pushed to the max right now. Okay, all of them are lit up right now. All of them are pushed. But who's doing the pushing? Is it the mom who's really doing the button pushing? Is the problem that the mom is cleaning the house? Like, does that action of cleaning the house bother Jim? No. Jim actually likes that. If it was his wife doing it, he'd be very happy. And if the kids threw in some help there too, wouldn't bother him. Somehow the mom doing it. Okay, then therefore, it's the mom's attitude while... She is cleaning. That's bothering him, right? No, we don't know what the mom's attitude is. For all we know, the mom doesn't want to disturb him while he's watching the game. And that's why the mom isn't saying anything. And the mom doesn't want him to have to clean up after he finishes. We don't know the mom's attitude. So what's causing the strong emotions in Jim? Jim is causing, huh? Watch this. That's a very good answer. You know what's controlling the emotions inside Jim and inside all of us? We control our emotions by the stories we tell. We control our emotions by the stories we tell. It wasn't the mom's actions that bugged Jim. It wasn't the mom's attitude that bugged Jim. You know what it was? It was the story Jim told himself about the mom's actions and about the mom's attitude. Let me explain. Let me explain. You see, again, for those who are emotional, I know what I'm saying may be like difficult to comprehend because you have taught yourself probably the exact opposite of this. Emotions don't just happen to us. We treat emotions like a spaceship that just landed in our backyard and beamed us up. I have no control over my emotions. The emotions just landed on top of me. That's not how emotions happen. Emotions, that's just an excuse because we don't want to do anything about them oftentimes. Emotions are influenced by our thoughts. Emotions are influenced by the stories that we tell ourselves. There's a verse I put on your hand that is not up on the screen. from Proverbs 23, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You've heard that before. As a man thinks in his heart, 
So is he. Our emotions, our spirit is a lot more under our influence than we are willing to admit. That's why the same action, listen carefully to this one, the same action to two different people, or actually, let me make even more clear, even more blunt, the same action to the same person on two separate days can yield completely different emotions. Would you agree or disagree with that? The same action on the same person on two different days, different reactions completely. And I'll give you an easy example. You're driving down the street today after church. You're on, on 66 or on the beltway. Someone cuts you off. What do you do? Some people go crazy. Honking, cursing, waving fingers at them. Some people go crazy. And some people, no problem. Let them in. What's the difference between them? Forget about two different people. I guarantee you that you, there have been days where you went crazy and there have been days where you were just fine with it. There have been days where you wanted to run the person over and there have been days where you said, you know what? I'm sure they're in a rush. Let them go. Agree or disagree? So it's not the action that in and of itself causes the emotion. It's what? It's the story I told myself. That person cuts in front of me. That jerk. That jerk thinks that he has a right to go in front of me. Doesn't he know I'm late? That jerk. Versus, you know, I remember a time when my kid was sick in the back and I drove crazy like that. So you know what? Let that guy go. Maybe he's got a sick kid in the back. Night and day. Are the emotions the same? The action is the same. But the emotions are completely different. Based on what? We control our emotions by controlling our story. Ask yourself. Ask yourself something that upset you recently, something that bothered you. Ask yourself, what story did you tell yourself? So-and-so laughed at me, and they laughed at me, and that's wrong, and they disrespected me, and -and so-and-so laughed at me. Be honest. You get upset anyone, anytime anyone laughs at you? No. You love to laugh at yourself. You tell jokes about yourself. You all laugh at each other all the time. But this person, why? Because you added to to the action a story, because they're disrespecting me, or they think I am not smart, or they whatever. The mother-in-law cleaning. You added to yourself the story that she thinks I'm no good as a husband. Sometimes, again, judge yourself right here. Sometimes you know that you are the most humble and kind and sacrificial and unselfish person in the world. You will bend over backwards for someone. And then sometimes you know, may God help the person who crosses you on the wrong day. Right? What's the difference? The difference is a story that you told yourself inside your head. A story is what we tell ourselves after an action has taken place. Stories are what we tell ourselves after an action has taken place. A story is after the event, the meaning that you ascribe to the actions of the other person or to the words of the other person. What you think the motive is, what you think the underlying message is, the meaning that you attach to it. My wife says this because she thinks I'm an idiot and I'm not a good husband. Boom, I go back at her. My friend uh, didn't show up at this because he doesn't care about me. Uh, My boss uh, didn't give me that position because my boss thinks I'm incompetent. It's not the action. It's the meaning that you ascribe to the action. That's the story. Look at it this way, pictorially. I know what I'm breaking down right here Okay, this stuff happens in like milliseconds. So I know it's not like this logical of a system, but let's at least understand the process. Observation leads to story, leads to feeling, leads to action. We think 
that so-and-so did this, I felt this, I had no choice but to do this. And we spend all of our time trying to control the connection between the feeling and the action. I feel this way, I don't want to act this way. I feel angry, I got to control my anger. I feel nervous, I got to control my anxiety. I feel this way, I can't act this way. That's what we spend all of our time doing. And that is a waste of time. If that's where you're going to spend all your time, then you will say, you know what, I have no control. But that's a waste of time. You know what we should end up, with, what we should spend more of our time is control the one before that, the story. Because if you change your story, you change your feeling. And if you change your feeling, you change your action. Observation. So-and-so said these words. I understand this stuff is milliseconds. Like I said, so-and-so cut me off. So-and-so car went right in front of mine. I tell myself a story. What story I tell myself is going to make a determination whether I go this way or go this way. If I tell myself a story that they're a jerk, they had no right to, boom, anger, mad, curse, etc. But if I, can, if I can, in that moment, train myself to tell a different story, tell a story, maybe they got a sick kid in the back, or maybe uh, their wife is pregnant, or maybe they're late for church. Then I can change how I act. Bible says it this way. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed means change your behavior, change your action, change your life. How do you be transformed? How do you change from cursing at the guy to, to praying for the guy? How do you change from, from exploding to taking it in a nice way, from being anxious to being calm? How do you change your behavior? By transforming your mind, by renewing your mind, by changing the stories that we tell ourselves about the other person. Again, I know I'm making this, I may be oversimplifying this. I understand. I understand these things happen in split seconds. It's not like, you know, my boss comes to me and says, you know, I'm putting so-and-so on the project instead of you, and I, you know, call time out, and I say, okay, I would choose to, I understand that sometimes it's too mechanical, but I really believe that you can change your way of thinking, that you can train yourself to think as in a positive way. There's another verse that talks about in the scripture, think as befits living beings. Okay, maybe you've heard that verse before. Think as befits living beings. We want to think in a productive, and a positive, in a transformational Christ-like kind of way. Because I'm convinced, I'm fully convinced, and I know you may be saying the opposite, but I'm fully convinced that, you, that your reaction is not hardwired into you. The way we react to the observations, that's what, back to this one, when someone behaves this way, my reaction is not hardwired. It's not programmed in that if so-and-so says this, that I got no choice but to act this way. I'm fully convinced that that is not the case. And that we can reteach ourselves certain habits and we can relearn how to think in a positive way. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? All right. Now let's get practical. I'm going to give you three practical steps. And again, all three of these steps they happen in a matter of seconds. I understand. Your wife comes in and says this. Your husband says this. Your kid says this. I understand. But let's understand it here. And the more and more we practice, hopefully it can become second nature to us. Step number one. Step number one to master our stories is retrace your path. Retrace your path. If I'm driving on a road. And all of a sudden, I find myself, I'm on the wrong road. What's the easiest way to get back on track? Just go back the way I came until I find where did I make the wrong turn. Continue back on the same road, okay, until I see, ah, here's where I turned left. I should have turned right. Retrace your path. We're going to do the same thing. What we're going to do 
If I got my thoughts going in the wrong direction, I'm going to go back in time, okay? And I'm going to go sequentially through those four steps that I said, observation, story, feeling, and action, but I'm going to do it backwards and see where I went wrong, okay? And I got some questions that you can ask yourself for each of the levels, okay? First, when it comes to my action, how am I behaving right now? Be honest. How am I behaving? Am I behaving maturely? Am I behaving rudely? Am I being aggressive or am I being passive aggressive? Am I hiding in my shell? Like stop justifying and stop saying she made me or he made me. We'll get to them in a little bit. How am I behaving right now? Is my behavior good? Is my behavior productive? Analyze it and be honest with yourself. Secondly, now I judge my feeling. What emotions are encouraging me to behave this way? Ask yourself that question. My behavior right now is not good. What emotions am I feeling? And let me help you out right here. Don't say, I feel bad. Can't tell you how many times couples sit with me and say, what's the problem in this? And he's doing this. Why do you do that? Because I feel bad. Okay, feel bad. I understand that's what you think. But you will do much better in being able to analyze the problem if you can clarify what's bad. Because bad doesn't really give much. It's like going to the doctor and saying, something inside me hurts. I feel bad. Okay, the doctor needs to know a little bit more details. We need to clarify that. We need to expand our emotional vocabulary. I feel scared. I feel violated. I feel cheated. I feel anxious. I feel shocked. Like we need to expand on the I feel bad or I feel sad or I feel like things aren't right. I feel we're not close. How many couples say this? I feel we're not close. Okay, we need to expand on what's not close. And the more we can expand, the better you'll be able to clarify what actually is the problem. Now your story. Now you figured out I'm behaving not right. My emotions that's causing it is, like I said, I feel cheated. I feel violated. I feel lonely. I feel whatever it is. What story is creating these emotions? And this is where we got to be very, very blunt and very, very honest. This is not the time to say, well, she started it or, well, he deserves it. This is the time to say to myself, given what I know to be facts, facts, is this an appropriate feeling? What are the facts? This is where, again, I'm not saying being emotional is bad. Being emotional is great. But in this specific area, this is where... Okay, we want to be less emotional. Fact is, a fact is what the person did or said. A conclusion is what I think about what the person thought or said. Like, for example, someone told me, my boss passed over me for this promotion. My boss gave the promotion. This is a female who said this. My boss gave the promotion to a male colleague of mine. That's a fact. That cannot be denied. The conclusion that she jumped to right away is, He did that because he's a male chauvinist pig. Okay, let's stick to the facts, okay? That piece of the story isn't necessarily going to contribute to us getting to the end of this. Fact is, your boss gave a promotion to that person, and that person happened to be a male. But we need to stay away from the conclusion, it's because he's a male chauvinist pig. It's because he's racist. It's because we need to stay away from those things because that's going to get us in the problem. And then the last question, what evidence do I have to support the story? We want to do our best in this area to stick to things that we know, not things that we think. No, just like all the rules tell us, no sweeping statements, no generalizations, no he always, no she never, none of that kind of stuff. Let's stick to the facts. This person told me this. This person said this. It made me feel this way because I told myself this story. Number two, 
watch out for victim villain stories. This is kind of sub point under number one there, but watch out for the Hollywood story. You know what the Hollywood story is? Every Hollywood movie has a good guy and a bad guy. And the good guy can do no wrong. No matter what he does, we feel sympathetic. And the bad guy can do no right. No matter what he does, we hate him. He deserves to fall out off the building. Okay, nothing he does. Be careful that you don't write your own Hollywood story where it just so happens that you happen to be the victim and it just so happens that your spouse happens to be the villain again. And that also, by the way, at work, you're also the victim at work and your boss happens to be the villain. And same thing, your parents, they're bad as well and you're the victim. Some people are professional victim villain storytellers. And you are creative enough, no matter what the scenario is, you can come up with a victim and villain scenario. Usually, these are done just to justify ourselves. These are done just to make ourselves feel good. These are done just just to vilify the other person and make them in the bad light so it's always their fault. And I was helpless. Nothing more I could do. She gave me no choice. All this kinds of nonsense that we say to ourselves all the time. How do I know if I'm doing a victim or villain story? Victim is it's not my fault. Victim is it's not my fault. This and this happened. It's not my fault. This and this happened. It's not my fault. It's always not my fault. Look, I'm sure there are, I'm not trying to make light, okay? I'm sure there are times where people truly are victims, and I'm not trying to make light of that by any means. And there are times you walk down the street, someone pulls a gun on your head, give me all your money. You are a victim, for sure. Someone, you walk, a kid playing in the street, drunk driver, victim, for sure. That's not the majority of the stuff that we deal with. The majority of us will never get held up at gunpoint or get hit by a drunk driver in the street. The majority of us, we fight with our wives or fight with our husbands. We fight with our friends. We fight with our boss. And most of the time, neither of the two parties is 100% at fault. And most of the time, when you will find yourself saying, there's nothing I could have done. It's all, it's all, it's not, it's not my fault. Most of the time you're doing that and you are not being honest with yourself. For example, the example I gave you a minute ago. I said, your boss chose male colleague instead of female you for this position. Why? Because he's a male chauvinist pig. Okay. Let's call timeout. Is there any role that you played in getting passed over for this promotion? Anything you did or didn't do? Or you casually gloss over the fact that last time your boss put you on a project, you failed. You failed to meet the deadline. The time before that, he put you on a project. You decided, because you weren't ready in time, to call in sick the five days previous to the deadline because you weren't ready in time. And you don't mention that part. You're just a victim. It's none of it's my fault. He's chauvinist. He's racist. He's whatever it may be. If you're good at being a victim, what is the pinnacle? Like, where can you get 100 bonus points if you're a victim? If you can somehow make yourself to be a martyr. Like, if you can ultimately die for the cause and say, you know what? I guess I have no choice but to just leave this company and light all the files on fire on my way out. I have no choice. You become a martyr. And then you get all the bonus points in the victim bone in the book. Victim, it's not my fault. Villain is the opposite. It's all your fault. Do you know anybody? Do you know anybody who every job he's ever had, his boss is a control freak? Every boss he's ever had. Do you know anybody who every professor he ever had in college was racist against whatever his race was? Do you know anybody who every one of their friends doesn't care about them at all? It's never them. It's always my friends don't care. My boss is racist or my, my wife is crazy. Do you know someone who they can find a negative 
and a reason to justify their bad behavior, and the negative is always the other person. Why do we do this? You know why we do this? Because like I said in the beginning, when you got a bad guy in a movie, does anybody feel sorry when the bad guy gets shot? We cheer when the bad guy gets shot. We like him to get shot. We like it when the bad guy, no one ever says, oh. We like the villain to get destroyed, and you can justify any behavior against the villain. Nothing is off limits because he's a villain, and that's what we do. Hey, she's not my wife. She's my enemy. She is crazy. A crazy person, this is how you deal with a crazy person. Hey, that's not my husband. That's a monster. And monsters, you throw stuff at them. They're monsters. That's not my boss. That's, that's a control freak. And a control freak needs to be taught a lesson. You can justify any behavior once you make that other person a bad guy, a villain. <clears throat> Whether it's victim stories or villain stories. Victim, we exaggerate our innocence. Villain, we over-exaggerate the other person's guilt or incompetence or just stupidity in life. Either way, it's a double standard. Because when you were late, it was, I had no choice, they needed me at work. When he was late, it's he's insensitive and he's a jerk and he should have called. It's a double standard. So watch out for these victim and villain stories. Third step. Tell the rest of the story. Tell the rest of the story. What's the rest of the story? Once you have identified the negative story, tell a positive one. And this one, I give you permission, be a little creative. This one doesn't need to be based on facts. This one, actually, this one should not be based on facts. This one, you should use a little creative license. That person cut me off. Probably his wife is sick in the back, pregnant in the back, whatever. My boss is a control freak. He's always on my case. You know what? Probably my, my, my work isn't up to par. Probably I could do a better job. And probably his boss is on his case, and that's why he's on my case. And I could just end the whole thing by just doing a better job at work. What we need to do is we need to tell the other side of the story. And if you are a victim, turn yourself from a victim into an actor, into a, a, a person who is making decisions. And it's not just, I'm helpless and I'm not whatever. Turn yourself into an actor and say, maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's not that my friends don't care about me. Maybe it's that every time they ask, how are you? I say, fine. And if I say fine, then maybe they're respecting my fine. And maybe they're listening to my fine and I want them to come and say, no, 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 no. But I'm not really giving them a chance because I'm always telling them that I'm fine and I'm pretending I'm fine. So it's not really their fault. Tell the rest of the story. Turn victims into actors. Turn villains into human beings. Turn villains into human beings. Because like I said, as long as that person is a villain, you can justify whatever. Turn them into a human being. Here's what you do if you struggle with this. Ask yourself this question. And again, people come to me, I always make them answer this question. Ask yourself, if this person, this boss, this wife, this husband, this child, this parent, whatever it may be, this friend, if this person is a 100% normal, reliable, dependable, like capable human being, he's rational, reasonable, intelligent human being, why would they behave this way? You see, we don't look for answers of why they're behaving this way as long as we say, my husband's a bonehead. That's why he's behaving that way. 
let's remove the bonehead title for now. And let's say your husband is not a bonehead. Let's say your husband is an intelligent man. Is there any plausible reason why he is doing this to you right now? I bet you the answer is yes. Maybe your boss isn't racist. Maybe your professor doesn't have an agenda. Maybe your friends really do care about you. Why would they behave? Is there a plausible reason why an intelligent human being, a rational human being, a decent person, would behave this way? I guarantee you when you start asking those questions, you'll find answers. And it'll change your emotions. Start to say to yourself, you know what? Maybe a personal one here. Maybe when the priest walked by me, maybe he's not a jerk. Maybe he's not rude. Maybe he's got a lot on his mind right now. He just didn't see me. Will that change your behavior? Yeah. Will that change your emotions? Yeah. Maybe my friends do care about me, but maybe, maybe, you know what? They just, maybe this friend got burned in the past because so-and-so called them pushy and nosy and overbearing. So maybe my friend is just trying to protect from being too overbearing on me. Because the last time my friend asked me, I pushed him away. So maybe there's a reason, a plausible reason why a decent, intelligent human being, a rational person would behave this way. Do you see what I'm saying? When you go through the process and you change your story, it'll change your feeling. And when you change your feeling, you will change your action. We think to ourselves that I have no control over my action because I feel this way, I act this way. And I say, no, I say, yes, if this is the connection, feeling to action, you have very limited control here, but you got a lot of control. You got a lot of control between the event happening and the story that you tell. That's where your control is. And when you change your story, you change your feeling, you change your feeling, you change your action. Who is the master at this? Who is the master of all skills relational? Jesus. Did Jesus sometimes tell stories? I'm not saying they weren't true because they were true, but it is sometimes Give us the benefit of the doubt when we didn't behave the proper way. I love this verse in Matthew 9, 36. It says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. That's the feeling. Why? Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. See what Jesus did there? See what Jesus did? Here's this group of people, and I know they're not the best people. But you know what? I feel bad for them. Why? Because they're sheep without a shepherd. How valuable is a sheep without eh, a sheep without a shepherd? If I'm telling you, if you can, I, if you can do what Christ did right here, and say this person is a sheep without a shepherd, this person is a child without a mom, this person is a, a person who's lonely, or this person is just struggling, or this person is overwhelmed. If you can find ways to rewrite your stories, it'll change your behavior. It'll change your behavior in ways that you didn't think was possible. Because believe me. I'm not saying anything, this isn't news that I'm about to tell you. The more and more you go through life, the more you realize everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. The more and more you go through life, and I talk to people, and I meet people, and I talk to him, I'm supposed to talk to her, and I talk to her, I'm supposed to talk to him, and I see this side, and I see that side. There are very few bad people in this world. There are. I'm sure there are some, so I want to say there's none. There are some bad people. I'm sure there are. I don't know any of them. And I bet you you don't either. You know normal people, rational people, decent people who just have a story. And I would rather, I would rather err on the side of giving too much benefit of the doubt versus too much judgment. 
Like, I'd rather be wrong over here. I'd rather say, you know what? Sheep without a shepherd, not her fault. Versus say, oh, no, she's going, she can pay, and then be wrong. I'd rather be wrong there versus wrong there. Because I've been in both situations. As a priest, I've been in both situations. And I've been in this situation, and I've been in this situation. And I'm telling you, let's talk about the positive. I remember there was a time where someone, I was doing something as a priest, and someone was rude to me. And I didn't realize they were being rude. And I kept saying, no, 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 this person's not being rude. This person's saying this. And then my senior priest, Father Bashoy, back at St. Mark's, was like, no, that person's being rude to you, Father Anthony. He did this, this, and that. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand because he's busy. And I said, and he's like, no, that's rude because one, two, three, and you don't know this. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I started to make all these excuses for the guy. And then he showed me, no, one, two, three, this guy's being rude, and he's being disrespectful to you on purpose. And I said, that's no good, son. And I went from peaceful to stressed out. And I went from smiling on the outside, smiling on the inside, to next time I see him, the eyebrows go a little bit lower. I was much happier right here. I was much happier sheep without a shepherd. I was, in, I was living in, this guy rude to me, and I'm, hey, you know what I mean? I was happy as a clam. I'd rather be wrong on that side than wrong on that side. So let me just throw these questions out to you as I wrap up right here. Something to think about. Maybe your husband is, a mon is not a monster like the way you think he is. Maybe your wife is not crazy the way you think she is. Maybe your boss isn't against you the way you think he or she is. Maybe your friend really does care about you. Maybe that person, your children are not demonic and possessed the way you think they are. Maybe it's just a story that you're telling yourself about them. We like to classify people. We like to classify good and bad. Like I said, victim and villain. We like to classify people. But I'm telling you, the good aren't as good as you think they are, and the bad aren't as bad as you think they are. There's a lot less discrepancy. There's a lot less variation than we think. We're all normal people just with different stories. And if you run into me on the right day, when the stories in my head are good, you can see a great father, Anthony, you can say, that's the nicest man in the world. And you run into me on the wrong day, when all the stories are off, you can say, that's a rude man right there. Because all of us, we're in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. Last verse, which is the ultimate example ultimate example of telling a story and changing your action, changing your feeling, and changing your action. Our Lord Jesus Christ, once hung on a cross, fully innocent, never harmed a fly, never did anything wrong to anybody in the whole wide world. And the end result of that was they nailed him to a cross. They arrested him. They put him on trial unfairly. They spit in his face. They accused him. They mocked him. They beat him. They hung him on a cross and he was left there to die. And in his final moments, one of his final words that he ever said, as they were mocking him and saying, if you're such a tough guy, why don't you come down from there? Since you are such a good man, prove that you're from God. Come down from that cross. And they're mocking him. And he had every right. He had every right. Boom, lightning from heaven. Every right to blast them verbally as well as physically. Every right. And he chose to tell a different story. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And every time I read that, you know what I want to say? Yes, they do, Lord. They know exactly what they do. Get them. If Jesus can say that from the cross, maybe we can say that when someone cuts us off on the beltway. If Jesus can say that on the cross, 
Maybe we can say that when our wife came home a little upset and jumped down our throat in our mind, maybe we can say that and give her a little bit of space. Maybe we can let our friend off the hook for missing our birthday party in eighth grade. That's what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus continues to do. Because I'm telling you, none of us are sitting here today unless Jesus says the sentence. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Jesus says this not just once on the cross. Jesus says this every single day. And he says it about me. He says, Father, let Father Anthony back in this church. I know he's foolish on Friday and what he did on Thursday. And he lost his cool. Let him back. He didn't know what he'd do. He makes that excuse for us all the time. And he tells that story for us. And he's been doing it ever since then. I am thankful. And I am thankful. I am thankful that he does that for me. And you are thankful he does that for you. So let us show him our thanks and do the same for others. We'll change our feelings by changing our stories. And you will realize that, again, I know I made it very mathematical right here, but it's the kind of thing that with practice, with practice, with practice, with practice can become second nature to you. Because you know what? The opposite became second nature. You, you became trained, and when someone cuts me off, think this. Wife says this, she's a that. Husband failed to do this, he's an unreliable. Like you have trained yourself to tell a negative story. I believe by the power of God by the power of God in us, that we can train ourselves to tell positive stories and we can win at conflict. We can win. We can win at relationships and get to a life with no regrets by the very end. Let's stand up and say a prayer together. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your never-ending compassion and mercy and grace and the patience that you show with us in our, our mistakes and our stupidity. And I pray, Lord, that you give us like the same spirit, that you'd help us to change the stories that we tell ourselves, to really be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Let our marriages be transformed, our friendships be transformed, our relationships with our children and our parents be transformed by the, by the renewing of our mind, the changing of our stories. Give us a mind as you had, Lord, to think in, in a positive way and always see people not as evil, but as just sheep without a shepherd. People who just, maybe they don't even know you and they don't have anything in life to live for. Give us, Lord, that mindset that we can be you in this world. Pray, Lord, for every married couple, every friendship, every relationship with people's bosses and coworkers. Pray that you would really transform those relationships by your divine power. You do a great work inside of us and teach us how to win at life by winning at relationships. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Prayers of all your saints. Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.